Hello and welcome to the Celtic Way Morning Briefing for Friday the 25th of November. Today I'm joined by TCW Newsright, and TCW Editor, I should oh, say. Oh, I know that was a lot. I thought I'd been demoted there while I was away. To discuss all the latest Celtic news. Sean, how are you? Aye, all good, apart for that demotion, Aidan. <laughs> um, I think what I, what I have realised the last couple of days um, is that I'm now probably officially everybody's third favourite host. Because <laughs> you've been doing a grand job, young man. You've been doing a grand job. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Cheers. Uh, just before we get into all the news for today, just want to direct your attention to the ticker down below. We've currently got our Black Friday offer going, and it's just been posted in the comments here as well. So it's £1 for six months of full access to the website. That includes tactics, pieces, uh, scouting, features, uh, interviews, such as one Tony did with uh, Ange Postacoglu's best pal, Stevie Boyer, and also one that's just went up this morning on the site with the president of the Sydney City CSC, Albert Murray. So uh, that's the sort of diverse content you can get on there. So if you've not already subscribed, have a look at that. So, uh, in terms of the title for today's video, Sean, uh, it's obviously Alistair Johnson is a player that Celtic have been linked with over the sort of last couple of days. He's a 24-year-old Canadian currently playing for Montreal in the MLS. So, mm-hmm. the link sort of first emerged in the run-up to the Belgium-Canada game on Wednesday night. And yep. I-, I was just wondering, like, you know, on a sort of baseline version, what, what your thoughts were on that? Have you had a chance to look into him, etc.? Uh, only in a kind of surface level stuff, um, in terms of like age, position, different things. Had a wee look at his minutes played and, and different things, but um, so I, I mean, it makes sense that they're looking at a right back if you believe any of the Josip Juranovic uh, reports, because it's certainly not going to be Anthony Alston that's going anywhere. Uh, otherwise, what's the point in looking at a right back? That said, um, I mean, I think everybody would probably have thought he played quite well the other night as. I think the whole Canadian team did. There's lots of comparisons between them and Celtic in Europe in terms of playing really well, creating chances, but just not taking any of them and then conceding at the other end. Um, but not you can't really just judge them on, on a World Cup game, obviously. Uh, so as I say, I've not looked in-depth in it. Stuart Ross is actually currently compiling one of his in-depth scouting reports on Alistair Johnston, um, which... As always, with Stuart Scout reports will be must read, and that will be up either later today or maybe tomorrow morning uh, for you to read on the website. But from what I've looked at, Aiden, just a quick rundown of his kind of his stats, or at least his, his, his kind of profile. Twenty-four years old, right back, uh, five foot eleven. From what I filtered it on Y Scout, he's played nearly ten thousand minutes of senior football, which is quite good considering he came through the college system as well. Aiden, remember, so um, nearly eight thousand of those are at right back or right wing back. So it, like. It's not like this guy is a, a utility player or anything. He is a right-back slash right-wing-back. Um, he, he also played 2,000 minutes as a centre-back, great enough. And what I, without digging into the, the game-by-game of that, looking at his heat maps for those kind of games that he's played as a centre-back, you can still see that he's, he's first and foremost an attacking kind of guy because his heat maps, they're, they're not what you would call a defensive centre-back heat maps. There's wee bits in the centre-back and then he's clearly getting forward as well. So, I suppose that bodes well for that, if that's his mentality. Um, I think you kind of saw that the other night as well. Uh, in terms of career history, I mentioned he came through the college system. That was with Wake Forest. I think it was with St. John's before that, but Wake Forest. Uh, Demon Deacons, their team's called. Um, 
he moved from centre mid to right back there. So again, that kind of bodes well if he was playing in a, a centre central midfield position before converting to fullback. We've heard that before with Greg Taylor at youth level. That's what he did. Uh, it seems to be serving him well playing the inverted role. Uh, Farange having that experience of playing in the centre. Um, he moved after that to Nashville and MLS, and he's on to to Montreal. Um, and you kind of looked up his his kind of raw assistant and goal stats, and they were they were decent for a right back. Yeah, so in the sort of season just passed, he'd played uh, 39 games and the four goals, four assists. All of those goals coming in like in competitive fixtures. So I think from a right-back's point of view, those are pretty positive. And they're probably not the worst surprise when you've mentioned like heat maps and how much he was getting forward. So it, 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 you can understand why it's been an attractive proposition for Ange. In terms of what we kind of know in the basic details mm-hmm. about the deal itself, it, Various sources were reporting it, uh, and it was the rumoured fees to be around about 800k, as mm-hmm. far as we can see. And sort of like since then, everybody's favourite uh, transfer guru, Fabrizio Romano, has said that Celtic are now in advanced talks. So obviously, it's one we'll just have to keep an eye on and see how it progresses. Uh, do you think that could potentially spell the end for Joseph Juranovic then, Sean? If he was to come I don't know in? if I'd go that far, but I do find that I do find that. Uh, Maybe telling in a way that it's a right back that they're looking at because you don't you don't need three right backs in the squad. Yeah. Um there is a set an element of versatility to it as well. But again, the right centre back is Cameron Carter Vickers. So that's that's just that's a, a given that he's going to be playing. They've already signed, we'll come to come to this in a minute, but they've they've announced the signing of a left centre back. So I think you can pretty confidently say that if Alistair Johnson Johnston does sign, he's not going to be coming to play centre back unless there's a, a massive injury crisis, he'll be coming to play right back. Uh, and at 24, it's not really the age you would sign someone to loan them back out with the hopes that they come back and play. So you don't want to read too much into it until there is anything concrete the other way with Juranovic. Um, but I think it's a logical train of thought to have. Aye. Um, Jamie Young putting a comment up at uh, Aiden saying he just watched a compilation on him and he doesn't know yet. And by the way, Fabrizio Romano's only your favourite transfer journalist if he's saying something you like. I think, I yeah, think that's, I know. that's the way that we figured it out during the summer. Yeah, um, but I uh, in terms of where he plays just now, I know I've said he's a right back, but he plays right wing back this season more than anything else because Montreal play a, a back three, which is a different system to Celtics, but they are still a possession possession heavy team. They get fifty five plus percent on average, which is all obviously nowhere near Celtics sixty seven or whatever it is in, in domestic football. But they still have the ball more than they don't. Uh, and they also press fairly high as well. So that, that messes well, even though the back three doesn't necessarily. Yeah, I, I think it is a kind of interesting signing, like profile-wise, and uh, hopefully if it was a deal that the manager wants, that it, it gets across the line. Just in terms of the Juranovic thing, it, it could potential. Obviously, first of all, we don't know for 100%, we should say this guy's signing. But if we go on the presumption that the deal is relatively close, then we, I do wonder if maybe it would be a case of when when, like, when Matt O'Reilly came in in January, even though I think Andrew said that it was kind of known to an extent that Tom Rodgers would maybe potentially be moving on in the summer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We wanted to get the player in. Like, <clears throat> he knew Rodgers wasn't going to leave in January, so he had it on our six months of him, but he wanted to get somebody in who, maybe not a direct replacement, but definitely before Cal McGregor's injury, you know, Matt O'Reilly plays a similar position to Tom Rodgers. So he had before to sort of bed in, not that he needed much time to bed in because he came in and was brilliant straight away. But they had that sort of time with the player that he's eventually going to replace still being there. I don't know if it could potentially be 
maybe a similar situation with Juranovic. It might not even necessarily be that if he does leave and if he is going to leave, sorry, it's not. It might not be in January. It could be potentially later on, and this is to sort of mm-hmm. give this player more time because maybe it's somebody that Ange views longer term as being first choice or views Ralston getting promoted and Johnson being second choice. So I guess it doesn't necessarily mean that Juranovic is going to be like away as soon as possible or anything mm-hmm. like that. So I probably. think that's a great. I think it's a great point, Aidan. I that's that's um, that makes sense to me. Uh, it's obviously last January. You, we were sitting kind of unsure as to what was going to happen with Tom Rogic, but it's you're right. Subsequently, it became known that that Ange Postecoglou pretty much knew, uh, having had conversations that he was going to be going, and therefore why not get his replacement in while he's still there? <laughs> that kind of thing. Uh, so I, I I think that's a great point. Beach Boys coming in on uh, Juranovic saying he thinks it's clear and obvious that Juranovic must have made his situation clear that he wants to try something new. Uh, he thinks his agent has been working overtime since the summer looking for one big payday. Uh, I mean, I, I've pretty much made my, my thoughts clear on the Juranovic thing since the summer. Um, not really changed in terms of that big checklist I'm always talking about, the age he's at. I, I do think that the, the 25 million or whatever it was that people were talking about was pie in the sky. But um, do you think Beach Boys has got a point? And, and more to the point, even, even if even if he's not, even if, it's, even if it is just taking that notion in, in a vacuum... Does that tie in what you just said there then? About if, if there is a situation where he might want to go, whether it's January or the summer, why not get his replacement in now? Yeah, I think it could. I mean, obviously we aren't privy to the sort of insights whether or not he is absolutely... We're not desperate to leave, but whether or not he's looking for a move away. He's obviously came out himself and he did say that he was flattered with interest. I think at the time it was with Atletico Madrid. Atletico, yeah. But that he was happy where he was as well. If he goes and has a, a decent World Cup, me and Tony touched on that uh, a couple of times, kind of, while he's been over in Sydney. If Juranovic, given that he's playing for Croatia, if they have a really positive tournament and he is playing all the time, which he does tend to, then it the club could potentially get more of an inflated fee, even if his performance mm-hmm. hasn't been the best for Celtic this season. So if that comes in in January, then, yeah, they, they probably would take that. But we just have to wait and see. Obviously... Just on the, the topic of signings, you'd mentioned uh, mm-hmm. Kobayashi briefly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he obviously signed not long after me and Tony were off the briefing. Not long after I'd had a newsletter piece posted talking about uh, what positions Celtic could potentially look to recruit in, and that I'd mentioned that centre-back was obviously an area that Ange felt he, he, he wanted to get cover in and then obviously that subsequently became the case because Kobayashi signed yep. so it's good to see Celtic obviously getting the business done early isn't it Sean? Oh aye I mean uh, last last January or even you could call it last December transfer window because obviously the the Hatate um, Adiguchi and Maida were all announced uh, before New Year so uh, getting their business done that early and getting it done swiftly and effectively, there's no protracted thing where it's all summer, will it all, all winter, sorry, will they, won't they? Sometimes that needs to happen, but if it, if you can avoid it, I think Celtic as a club come out looking all the better for it. The summer, uh, this summer, not, not last summer, last summer was a different kettle of fish, but uh, this summer just passed, they did the same. Uh, they had a couple of late signings, but tying up Cameron Carter-Vickers and Jota early enough, plus a couple of other ones, was, was uh, laudable. And you've just got to say that Michael Nicholson, since he's, he's taken over permanently um, as the chief executive, he, he, his business has been getting done properly, swiftly, 
and without any dramas, which is a big a big plus. Yeah, definitely. It does seem like it's a clear and effective process for pretty much all the players at the moment. Obviously, Jota, etc., did drag on a wee bit in the summer, but you don't know. If, obviously, Jota was very quick posting, he was away on holiday and that, etc. So uh, maybe. Yeah, exactly. So maybe it was just him chilling out before it. But really, since Nicholson has been appointed, the transfer business has been pretty solid. And it, it does seem that what Andrew was saying, you know, plans sort of have been in place for a while for Jan. And he, in his head, he's now looking ahead to the summer transfer window, with the exception of a brilliant uh, option becomes available, like Matt O'Reilly last summer. I think he'd mentioned that they moved on that in about mm-hmm. three days after not really thinking it was going to get done in that window. So if that becomes available, plans could change slightly. But overall, he was saying they're pretty much sorted for this transfer window in terms of ins and outs. So that's all positive. You can't complain because I think it says uh, he's going to arrive uh, in December. But yeah, Patrick, you remember that there? Yeah, yeah 1st of December. And he, he's not able to play. I don't think he's able to play till the 1st of January. Is that right? Uh, aye, he's got to wait till the the, tra- the registration window opens, uh, but he's able to. T- aye, he's able to join up because Japanese leagues broke up. He's announced, he's agreed the terms and all that, so he'll be able to come and train from what the club has said. Um, which, like, I, I actually think that's that's a good thing, really, yeah. when you think about it. Um, first game after, by the way, the first game after the New Year's, obviously at Ibrox, uh, but after that, it's Kilmarnock at home two in a row, once in the league, once in the League Cup semis, which I think is probably more realistic unless something happens with, with the other centre-backs um, getting into that Ibrox game. But generally speaking, more time to settle, more time to train with his teammates before kicking a ball in Ernest Aden. So I think that's actually maybe a, a, a kind of a benefit, actually, of the situation. Yeah, definitely. I mean, in terms of him being able to settle in, it, it's perfect, pretty much. Get someone sort of training under his belt, hopefully maybe a few bounce games, etc. in there. And uh, like you were saying, if all the centre-backs are fit, it's probably unlikely he'd be thrown in against Rangers. But mm-hmm. after that, the two games against Kilmarnock, it uh, could be like, a perfect platform to get some minutes under his belt. Obviously, it's a five-year deal as well. So that sort of continues this theme since Andrew's coming in of security, really, for the club, yep. for the players, uh, which I know you're a big fan of, Sean. Security is uh, underrated. Uh, that's what I keep saying. I the... Just when you look at the, it's just I've done graphics and all that during the summer and, and at the end of the window with the squad depth and all that. But I've done one with the the contract expiry dates as well, and it just made for great reading, really. Because if you're ever like not to make this a real life game of football manager or anything like that, but you know for a fact if you've got younger talents and they're tied down till 2025, 2026, and someone does want them, then you're in the position where you can say, right, well, cough up. Because there's nobody can can hold you over a barrel at that stage. You you hold all the aces, and and that's that's the way that Celtic currently stand with virtually all of their, their biggest talents. Um, yeah, and it's a really positive place to be in because it's been spoken to at death at this point. But obviously, when Ange came in, there was a lot of top players that were right down in the last year of their deal, and it really had to be either they were going to go for nothing or nowhere near what you originally hoped for. I know there was a caveat of the pandemic, obviously, in there, but you know the contract situation was still quite disappointing. So really, you don't want that to be happening again. So if you've got the five-year deal, if it's even a case of some players are only here for two years, but then rather than if it's like a three- or a four-year deal, it's two years when they're leaving, they've still got three years left. So like you said, you're not getting held over the barrel by, if they're going that summer, you're not getting held over the barrel by agents or other clubs, etc. So yeah, that's another positive aspect to the transfer strategy. 
So mm-hmm. can't argue with it. Um, Jamie Young coming in saying Kobayashi's got a, a, a massive glass ceiling. Um, just a massive ceiling, I think. I don't, don't think it needs to be made of glass, but I uh, think we've won the bingo with this kid. Left-sided centre-back makes us look more balanced. Now, I'm interested to see what happens with that because obviously being people like myself saying a left-footed left centre-back could make a, a, a big difference in Ange Postacoglu's system of trying to play it from the back and getting it through the thirds. It's quite less possible identifying and playing the passes. Now, Jens, is, Jens has done that as a right-footer um, fairly well, I think. And I actually think Stephen Wills does it well when he's confident. Um, maybe not so much when he's not. Carter Vickers has grown into it on the right-hand side and is just just brilliant in pretty much every facet of play since he came to Celtic. Um, but having that natural lefty as the, as the left-sided centre-back, I'm, I'm very curious. Like Jamie, I want to see the impact that that has on Celtic's ability to play it that wee fraction of a second faster. Because I remember, I've, I've referenced it, if he's, whoever's tuned in since last last September, I think it was, or August when they played AZ, um, Stephen Welsh got switched from right centre-back to left centre-back, which he hadn't played. And I kind of wrote an article just exploring how it was quite remarkable how well he played, having never played there, which some people were kind of thinking, well, he's only moved across a wee bit. But it's never as simple as that when you're a right footer playing on the left, particularly. Some prefer it, but it's like Van Dyke and stuff. Like people, people that prefer it tend to be really good players at the, at the best of times. Um but it just takes that extra wee fraction of a second to just adjust and to play it out and to just do everything that wee fraction of a second longer than what is your natural side. So I'm, I'm like Jamie, I, I'd really want to see what a, a natural left footer that can pass the ball does to Celtic's speed of build-up, which is quite scary for the opposition if you think about it, because they're already quite fast at getting it through the, uh, through the thirds, uh, especially if Callum McGregor's back and playing in that pivot role. I think it will be quite interesting, obviously just in terms of like you were saying there, the seconds of sort of being able to do stuff quicker could be massive, even the way if he's receiving the ball and it's directly to him, he's not having to adjust his body. So I think it could be a, a real positive. And we know moving the ball quickly from the back, sort of intense play, is basically one of the hallmarks of Andy Postnikogo's game. So if he's got somebody that can improve that, then even better. And I know it's been something a lot of fans have spoke about, the sort of left-footed, left-sided centre-half. So I guess mm-hmm. we'll finally get to see if it sort of lives up to the hype. And he does look quite positive in terms of, you can't take a lot from YouTube clips, but from what I've seen, mm-hmm. in terms of getting the ball out, he looks quite good. And obviously, a wee while ago, when we were first linked with him, uh, which I'll put the link to it in the chat, uh, Stuart Ross did a scouting report, yep. all in which you know, breaks down in really good detail, everything you can sort of expect from So, yeah, he, he, it all looks positive. And again, we thought we got transfer business done early last year in January, but... They've speeded it up even more. <laughs> thing of course, Aidan, you also you also wrote a newsletter last month um, when the, the Kobayashi kind of report started gathering a bit of steam. You wrote it on Kobayashi, but also like any left centre back, really, um, as to what one of those joining up might mean for not only Stephen Welsh, who's here just now, but Liam Scales, who's out on loan and playing left centre back, or he's moved to left centre back in a back three recently, but still playing left centre back. Um, I can try, I'll, I'll dig out that. Uh, newsletter and put it in the, the comments as well. But just uh, quickly, what was your kind of what was your kind of impression? What was your kind of conclusion? Do you think it does spell the end for one or both? Or I think it definitely spells the end for Liam Scales. I mean, it's kind of clear that he has down the pecking order, given that he went out on loan. I know he has been doing quite well for Aberdeen, and it's probably clear that he was as when he was scouted at the time. People were saying he was more of a sort of centre back than an actual left back. So I think it probably does spell the end for him. I doubt he would have came back in and been 
a first team red guard, even if this signing didn't happen. Mm. But I think, as I sort of said at the time in that newsletter, that is probably time up for him. In terms of Welsh, I don't really know. I don't think you could see him well should be away in January or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But in terms of the summer, I guess it depends. I mean, if you're signing Jens as well, which also... Well, are, are you signing Jens? That's, that's, that's what I would ask from this, uh, this signing yeah. as well. But I just, I think you would probably want a total of like four sort of centre-backs that you feel can challenge and be the first choice. I know you probably don't always get that. And it mm-hmm. doesn't always work out, but I think that would probably be the ideal way that you would hope the squad was built. In terms of Welsh longer term, I don't really know. In the summer, just past, there was obviously rumours that there was a uh, potential interest in Udinese, etc. I do wonder if you were sitting mm-hmm. with three, four centre backs and then Welsh as well, would that mean he had to go even out on loan potentially? Mm-hmm. But yeah, like you say, the who knows if they're going to sign Jens or not? They might not. And there might be somebody who's are targeting in the summer as well. We don't know. Yeah. So I think it's a wee bit up there for Welsh, but for scales, I definitely think that's probably his time. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Ferguson comes in and says, I feel like I'm in an alternate Celtic universe with all these early signings. Someone pinch me. I think the same, David, to be honest. Uh, long gone are the days of Stephen Fletcher. Will he, won't he, won't he right up until the end of a January transfer window with the league on the line and different things? I think um, I think under Ange Postacoglu's tenure, it's... it's it, Quite clear that this is this is going to be the the modus operandi as long as as long as he's get the the kind of the final say on it. Um, Beach Boys coming in saying he would sell Welsh, sign Jens, and then give Boston Lobo uh, a chance in the squad the way Welsh has had uh, a chance for the last three years. Uh, that, that would be his solution, Aidan. Um, on Alistair Johnston again, just to go back to what we're talking about at the start. I think I'm right in saying he's he holds a UK passport, so that, in that sense, it would be a smart move as well because there's less red tape. To, to go through to, to get him registered, to get him over, to get him uh, to get him um, all prim and proper and all that with the, 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 the red tape stuff. So that's worth mentioning as well. But uh, as I say, with, with Alistair Johnston, Stuart Ross is almost finished, I think. Uh, he's an uh, in-depth scouting report. Um, so that will either be up on the site later today or early tomorrow morning. So keep your eyes peeled for it. Um, so, Aidan, you done the newsletter today, or sorry, yesterday's newsletter on the website today. So, if you register for the newsletter, you get that the night before. Um, for free, by the way. Um, just kind of checking in with how the Celts uh, at the World Cup have, have fared so far. Uh, you were particularly impressed with a certain Dyson Maida, who I think you'll find I took as uh, the dark horse uh, for the Celt to go furthest in their predictions, Aidan. Why were you so impressed with him? I just thought in terms of his sort of defensive output, really, he was very much leading the defence from the front in terms of just making sure that Germany couldn't get forward too much. Obviously, Germany did have spells in that match, as people would have seen. It's probably not unfair to say that Japan rode their luck at times, but I thought, even though he got taken off just before the hour mark and uh, it was the subs that came on ended up being involved for the goals, I thought Maida played a really important role in the game. He had some uh, crucial in- interceptions. He- his overall sort of defensive play was positive. And mm-hmm. I think probably before this tournament started, a lot of people, uh, I-, I don't want to speak for anybody, but from what I was seeing online, I, sh- I should say that people were surprised that Hitate and Kyogo weren't called up to the, the Japan squad. And Kyogo in particular, I think. Kyogo, I- yeah. Hitate, it looked, obviously, we-, we see Hitate and what he can offer. Yeah, you're right. He was always on the fringes, I think, with Kyogo, yeah. but I genuinely I was surprised as well. I think a lot of people were talking to 
Dan Olowitz about it as well. Um, and he was he was a wee bit surprised. Um, so I, I had to give you that. What about the rest of the, the Celts then? You weren't, weren't quite as impressed with the, the other three, I don't think. Well, obviously, quite has to be unimpressed with Carter Vickers right. considering he was just sitting on the bench. But... <laughs> the American defending. I wasn't impressed with that, to be fair. That was quite poor. Uh, but with the... The other players, yeah, I, I thought Iranovic did okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think overall Croatia probably quite disappointed John and Morocco, given that they made the final four years ago. Yeah. So I, I think they'll be a bit disappointed with that, but I would say they've probably still got quality to try and get through. Australia, it was going to be tough, wasn't it? You're playing the world champions in France. Started well, right enough. Started yeah, well. they did. And I actually thought at the start of the game, Aaron Moy, I know it's a very, very small sample size, but for 15 minutes or so, he actually played quite well. But overall, it, it was hard. And, you know, when the, other, the team you're up against, Scotland, Mbappé, Griezmann and Juno, who are absolutely lethal. And despite tell, you who, tell you who doesn't have, Aidan, uh, my uh, tip for the golden boot, Karim Benzema, who uh, got injured right after we published <laughs> our predictions. But... Uh, I'm beginning to think I'm a jinx when it comes to top scorers because a tip dies in Maida, remember, before the season. Right, he, okay, he's, yeah, he's been missing sitters. Uh, and then I tip Karen Benzema for that and he got injured and is ruled out of the tournament. So watch out if I tip you, basically. I hate the World Cup predictions. I'll just uh, prefer not to speak on them at the moment. Until <laughs> I see I speak, <laughs> going all <laughs> Mourinho on it. See how, until I see how Argentina doing their second game. But yeah, just to finish up in Australia, it was just, it was going to always be a tough game for them. Mm-hmm. Probably the toughest they could have got, really, in terms of a draw. Obviously, it's a difficult group. You know, they've got Denmark in there, and even Tunisia, who showed that you know they're pretty solid after getting that draw against the Danes. So yeah, it's it's not going to be easy for Australia, and they're just probably going to have to sort of stick in there. I, I think it's probably going to be too tough now, really, for them to get through. We'll just have to wait and see. And yeah, like you mentioned with Carter Vickers, he potentially could be in action tonight against England, obviously. Yep. Uh, given the defending from the USA last time, it left a bit to be desired. I, I think it wouldn't be unfair if he was to start that match, but uh, we'll just have to wait and see how he gets on against England. Nah, you never know, he might. Uh, you were right, there was a couple of defensive lapses there against Wales from the USA, but I don't know. It would have been good. I don't. I mean, I don't know if Harry Kane's going to be fit. I don't know if they've actually confirmed that or not. But it would have been quite good for Carter Vickers to go up against his old Spurs teammate in that regard. Um, and it would, I think Harry Kane would have find would find it would be a completely different type of uh, type of character that he's going up against. I think. But uh, we'll see. We'll see if he gets it. Speaking of people that are travelling, Aiden, uh, they're obviously at the World Cup. Um, for the wardrobe fanatics out there, Tony is currently in Frankfurt awaiting his uh, his flight back to East Kilbride. Don't think they've got an airport. He'll be going to Glasgow first. Um, where I'm, I'm presuming his good lady wife, assortment of dogs, and of course the loving wardrobe will be waiting for him. Um, but he will be back on your screen sooner than you think. Uh, so if you keep your eyes peeled on the channel on Sunday, uh, you might see a wee, uh, a wee video special that, that Tony's put together. Yep, yeah, there's an interesting one coming, guys, so that's definitely one to look out for. Obviously, as you've seen, Tony's been on uh, TikTok regularly when he's been over there. There's still uh, a, a couple of new posts that we put up of the sort of latest leg of his journey, which will be going up on uh, Twitter and other social media platforms today, so keep your eyes peeled for them. Um, uh, guys, I've come in, and I don't know if you saw it, but it says, go on, Tony, demand those figures, Sean. He's talking about the... Uh, he's not talking about the... The money he's talking about the figures that he's demanded action figures to be sold from uh, a, a TCW shop. He's wanting Tony in the wardrobe 
and he's wanting you as Stone Cold Steve Austin style with the two two cans of iron brew. Uh, we've not decided what mines will be yet. Maybe I'm not getting one, but uh, that's what that's what Kaiser's on about there. Um, before we go, Aiden, before we start wrapping up, we never really got a chance the other day when I was on. I wanted to mention the uh, Celtic Christmas advert that was released uh, again this year. What did you think of it? Yeah, hey, I thought I thought it was quite good actually. Obviously, over the last kind of few years, there's been like very much like a comedic slant to it. Yeah, but it, there was a bit more of a sort of serious angle, which I, I thought was quite nice, and it kind of did play up the sort of charitable aspect of the yeah. club, which I think in the current climate is quite important. I think they got the tone like bang on, rather mm-hmm. than it being sort of, you know, like I know these it's a Christmas advert, so obviously it's going to be an advertisement for you know, merchandise, etc. But yeah. I thought I thought they got it spot on in terms of the tone and it was really good to see obviously the part where it was a Christmas party up at the stadium, all the kids and that going absolutely crazy when Andrew and Greg Taylor walked into the room. I expect to see I you know that. Probably, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you notice they were playing musical statues and you can see the you can see a clip in the background, the music stops and Greg Taylor is taking it the most serious I've ever seen anybody take a kids game at the age of twenty five. Um, <laughs> he just stops dead like I'm winning this game. Um Jeremy can come in saying he thought it was very good. I, I agree with you, Aiden. They went funny last year, they went funny a few times for the Christmas advert. Um this year they've gone more heartfelt, I would say it was uh, the word to describe it. And personally I th- I think they nailed it as well. I think to go funny or irreverent again this year, given the current situation um, with strikes up the workers, by the way, and especially the cost of living crisis getting into the winter, I think that to do that would have been off the mark, I think. Um, and I all right, it's just a Christmas advert, but I do think Celtic as a club, um, realising that, going down the, the route that they went, I think I think they, they went the right route, and I think um, I think they deserve plaudits for it, for, for thinking of that. So... No, it, it was it was bang on in terms of the tone, and obviously, probably at times over the last couple of years, sometimes you felt that maybe not for the Christmas adverts, but in general, sometimes the club don't always hit the exact right tone when it comes to how the fans mm-hmm. are maybe feeling, etc. But but they got it bang on there. So <clears throat> fair you're not bringing it. up Bernard Higgins in the Christmas advert, are you? No, <laughs> <laughs> this is a sort of general general sort of Fred line. No no specific examples of the given. Kaiser's maybe talking about a behind-the-scenes clip here saying Taylor choke slamming kids to win at musical statues. Uh, I don't think he's quite tall enough to be Kane, do you? Or nah, take him, but, uh, nah, I, I, I do. I think they got. I think they got it spot on. I think. Uh, I think. And obviously the the merchandise. Yes, that is what it's ultimately. Let's not kid ourselves. That's what it's there to sell. Um, but they did involve the foundations work, um, which we've had a couple of pieces on the last few months about. Uh, really good work that they do, uh, and they involved that heavily in it. So I think I think I, I overall I just think they, they they went down the right route and they got the right tone. Aiden. Yeah, no, it was spot on. Is there anything else, Sean? You want to touch on just before we finish up? Or? No, I suppose just this magnificent Black Friday deal that we've got, yes, Aiden. I yes. suppose it's just that um, before we go. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, guys, it's a uh, one pound for six months worth of access to the website. That includes uh, features, big interviews, such as the one Tony's uh, recently put up with Ange Postacoglu's pal, Stevie Boyer. We also have the one he did with the president of the Sydney, C- Sydney City, sorry, CSC, yep. Albert Murray. Uh, there's tactic pieces up, such as the one we mentioned about uh, Kobayashi that Sean linked to earlier. Yep. There's going to be more uh, scouting pieces coming, like Stuart's one on uh, Alistair Johnson. 
and then obviously you get other features etc so yep there's plenty there guys and if you're not already subscribed i would recommend taking a look at it so yep uh, just to finish up thanks everybody in the comments today it was really good a uh, good discussion in that as uh, sean has mentioned tony will obviously be uh, uh i'll be back on video over the weekend with a, a special yep. guest so look out for that one and uh, cheers for today sean thanks very much for that cheers Aiden. cheers trips thanks very much guys cheers